we've seen everything with Boston College football this season. Every way you can think of losing, BC has done it. And on Saturday, they ended off their 2022 season with an absolute stinker by blowing an 11-point lead and getting blown out by Syracuse in the fourth quarter. We're going to talk with Mitch today about this game, what you know, the the overall feeling of the se- uh, at the end of the season and everything else we've learned about Boston College football under Jeff Hathley. We'll get all into that and basketball in our final segment on today's Locked On BC. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on BC. This is AJ Black. Happy uh, Monday to all of you listening on the podcast and happy Sunday to all of you who are listening live. Now, hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving. Uh, I certainly did, but we're here to talk about Saturday's game. A very, very frustrating affair by the Boston College Eagles to end their season. They lose 32-23 to the Syracuse Orange. And, you know, this was a game they had to win. They could, They had to win. They had the opportunity to win. And just like everything else this season, it just went completely off the rails as they lose, um, blowing a, a big 17 to 6 lead. Uh, and with me to talk about this mess is Mitch Wolf. Mitch, happy belated Thanksgiving. Happy belated Thanksgiving to you as well. Uh, we're finally at the end of it, thank God. Uh, and we can just put finally close the page or close the cover on this abysmal, abysmal season. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I have a graphic up calling this the season finale stinker. And I hate putting a picture of Zay Flowers up there because he should not be um, the person representing the, the, the term stinker. But it, it was just the picture I found. That's the one I was going to go with. But this was a game that BC jumped out right out of the bat. They had the block punt. They put up 10 points within, you know, the first, what, five, six minutes of the game. And they look completely in control. They were more physical than Syracuse. And they didn't, they, they never, just like some of these other games under Halfley, they never put the, um, they never, they never had that coup de grace, the, the, the death blow to Syracuse. They were, they let them kind of hang around and then boom, second half, it was like the Syracuse that we were expecting to see as Sean Tucker runs for two touchdowns and Og, uh, their run, their wide receiver, I totally blanking on his name, Ogson or Ogden or whatever his name uh, is. Aronde Gadsden. Aronde Gadsden. Thank you. Couldn't get think of his name. Um, Torches BC and, you know, they lose. Mitch, I want your thoughts. What was, what was the, your, just your reaction to this, this, this game? I mean, you say it didn't really deal the death blow. And I kind of thought that that, Garwo touchdown to put them up 17-6. I thought that might have been it. It was early in the fourth, but I was like, man, Syracuse isn't doing anything. Defense is playing well. Like, they might be able to grind this one out. And then Syracuse reeled off four touchdowns in the final 10 minutes of the game, and it was over before we even knew it to go in the other way. Um, yeah, I mean, I said BC was going to win this game. I was feeling good about that at that point. And then they just completely broke down. And I, I haven't gotten a chance to watch the whole game back yet. So I can't exactly say why, but I mean, the defense just completely broke down and they were, they were bending, not breaking for most of the game, which was good. But they, you know, 
even I'm not going to say like, oh, the one penalty flipped the whole thing, but that roughing the passer on Donovan Azaraku, who had a very good game on the field uh, in in between the whistles, between plays and maybe after the game, not so much. But that roughing the passer penalty, which you could argue about, but regardless, it's hitting quarterback late. So that's going to happen. That that was the turning point of the game when Syracuse, that's when they start reeling off all those scores, just hitting big play after big play. And NBC just couldn't keep up with them at the end. Yeah, and I I feel like it'd be hypocritical for me to complain about uh, penalty calls when just two weeks ago we were calling out NC State uh, writers for doing the exact same thing. You know, at the end of the day, that, that that's I I think it's just the way football is now, right? With mm-hmm. the rough and the passer calls, to me it looked bang bang, but literally they give the benefit of the doubt to the quarterback every single time, mm-hmm. and. It, it's a hard, it's a hard job for these defensive defensive ends to make those plays. And you can call, I, I saw people calling it stupid, him stupid. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he's supposed to do there. Um, I mean, guess yeah, it, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I mean, I think that this happens in football a lot. I mean, I think you could compare it to the Cole Batson penalty against NC state where he had, he couldn't pull off trying to tackle a MJ Morris, who was kind of sliding, kind of juking, um, so that's just going to happen. And I know Halfley has kind of talked about certain penalties. Like he obviously doesn't want like procedural penalties, you know, minimize holding penalties, but he, sometimes it's those like late hit penalties. He's going to say like, Hey, listen, you're playing hard. I'm, you know, we'll, we'll eat that. Cause some, sometimes it gets called. Sometimes it doesn't. So, and even, even if you say like, okay, Syracuse scored at that, after that touchdown to get it 17 to 12, BC still had plenty of opportunities after that to, I to on defense, get a stop. And then on offense, you know, put up some points that mattered. They obviously scored the final touchdown, but the only thing it uh, affected was the spread, which for me was good, but it, it did not affect the outcome of the game, obviously. Now, a lot there, there's a lot of, of negativity going around in the program. Obviously, when you finish a three and nine season, there absolutely should be. When you look at this loss, what do you, what, what is the one thing you mentioned the defense if you were just to to ballpark it right now, Mitch, what would you point to being the biggest reason the defense fell apart or the, the reason this team lost this game? So I'm 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 not I'm not trying to blame injuries, but I think at the end of this by this point in the season, you know, you've got like I don't think Josh DeBerry played at all, Elijah Jones didn't play at all, so they were down to uh, at one point Isaiah Ferris, who I think is a walk on, he might be a scholarship. No, he's, he's scholarship. He's okay, a late, all right, he's scholarship he's player, but he's was yep. you know bottom of the recruiting class hasn't played all season and suddenly you get thrown into this key situation. And, and even, even the beginning of the game, like you, you saw like the two premier guys, Jones and DeBerry not playing. So they're down a bunch of guys. Um, Amari Jackson, and CJ Burton are out there, but I think that they're probably still nursing injuries. Uh, Jalen Williams had a really bad game. Uh, he got picked on a ton. And because of, because you're down those guys, you have to shift your defense to more of a zone defense because you're like, okay, these guys, don't have the speed to stick with Syracuse's receivers in man. And then that allowed Garrett Trader to kind of pick BC apart in zone. So gotcha. that was, I think, and then at, towards the end of the game, you saw him, you know, hit some deep shots because of that. So I think that would be the primary reason why. So you're making excuses for Halfley. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it and, and honestly too, though, you, you mentioned two defensive uh, quarterbacks. They were also down Cole Batson too. I don't, I yeah, exactly. Yeah. Down another safety as well. You saw Steve Flubisher get in there. So, I mean, in this, in, I think this is a bit of a, a concerning trend last year. You had BC with a simpler issue on defense where you had a lot of, and it was also sickness, but you had a lot of guys missing the last two games with injuries. Uh, so I, I am a little concerned about how this team deals with the attrition of a college football season. Um, 
maybe as we get further away from maybe they I, hopefully they won't get the flu a third year in a row next year but that, that is something that i think they do need to address moving forward because it, it's been and i'm not even talking about like Dracovic. like that's just you know you're a, you're a physical quarterback you're gonna get hurt sometimes but like the general like lots of injuries at a lot of different position groups that are piling up at the end of the season. And that's an issue that really affects BC's ability to win games down the stretch. Yeah. And I, I think that's an issue. And I don't know if that's a, a, a strength and conditioning issue, a depth issue. I, I mean, B, it seems like to me, BC's had more issues with injuries than other teams. Like when you hear about another team, when they bring it up in a game, they're like, yeah, they're missing two big guys on their defense. It's like, oh, that's cool because BC's missing like half of their positional group at, at like in the secondary, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm not sure what that is and I'm not sure what the answer. And that's, that's something Halfley's going to have to take a big hard look at, you know, this off season is like, is this something that I can uh, change here? You know, through X, Y, and Z. Like, is it a conditioning thing? Is it something that I need to make some changes? I'm not sure what that is, but he's going to, you know, this is going on. He's going to be going on to year four next year. He's going to have to start making some changes uh, in order to keep his job because, you know, now he is well below 500 as a head coach at Boston college and his, his, his uh, leash is starting to get a lot shorter. Mm -hmm. And in our final set in our second segment, sorry, not the final segment in our second segment, I want to talk to Mitch about the the coaching staff in, in general. Look at a little bit about this game and where he thinks you know the offense looked and, and some other things that went along with that. But before we do that, let's lo- let's look at upside. Upside is they they have inflation has us all thinking about different ways to cut back. Whether it's driving less, dining out less, or buying less from the grocery store, we can all agree there's nothing fun about less. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I don't have to cut back because I get cash back on every purchase. Now, what you can do, get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit card or debit card, and get paid. In, in comparison to credit cards, rewards, or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Again, that's $5 or more cash back with your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Now, if you've listened to our podcast, you know about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is one of our favorite partners on our show. Now, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So head on over to LinkedIn. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs help you find the best qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. LinkedIn.com slash lockdown college to post your job for free. Term and conditions apply. AJ Black back here with Mitch. We are talking about this weekend's game. 
the end of the end of an error. The worst season for Boston College since 2015. Some people think it's worse than 2015 because of the expectations of this team, and I understand that. Other people, uh, and I, I think myself included, will probably put it just slightly ahead of it because at least in 2000, this season, there was a good win in there, and I think that that made it a little bit more tolerable. Mitch, I have a question for you. If you put this team against the 2015 team, who would win? That is an excellent question because the 2015 defense was elite. We do have to remember that. And the BC offense already sucks, so they're not scoring any points. But the BC offense in 2015 was historically terrible. And DC's defense this year is up and down. We'll say below average. So, I mean... I mean, I think it ends up like the Wake Forest game from that year, from 2015. It's like a zero-three slog with just tons of offensive mistakes. I think it's just a matter. I think it's a matter of which defense scores more points. Honestly, I think I think both defenses would outscore the offenses. Yeah, and so this season comes to a merciful close. And I, as, I, as some folks have been saying, they want Jeff Halfley gone. I understand as a fan. <laughs> excuse me, part of this fan base. Is, is just done with Jeff Halfley. They think this is a, a big, big issue. And, um, you know, I, I think we saw a lot of issues again, rear its ugly head on, on Saturday. Looking at this offense though, do you think Mitch that this offense can take a neck? Like, what does it need to do to take that next step next year? Knowing that you're losing Zay flowers, but, maybe they, they hit the portal to get them some things to, to go right. Yeah. I think you need to find a way to make this offensive line be at the bare minimum competent. Um, this was actually in terms of their pass blocking, one of their better games. I think uh, Warren was only pressured on about 25% of his dropbacks. Usually it's closer to 40%. So that was a nice improvement. Um, they were able to run the ball a decent bit, which I thought they'd be able to do. But uh, like I said, I wasn't super impressed by the Syracuse defense and we've seen how, terribly this offense performed against real defenses. So, so wait needed... a minute. let me jump in for a second here. I forgot to add Mitch, Mitch, tell the folks who had the highest, I think it was the highest offensive grade for, for Boston college yesterday. It was Jack Conley. It was Jack Conley's blocking, his past blocking grade was an 86.0 in, uh, let's see where to go in 46 pass blocking reps. He only allowed one pressure, no penalties. It was a hurry. So I'll, Props where props are due. Jack Conley had an excellent game the last night and uh, his counterpart, Ostrapilo did not. He had two pressures and a holding penalty at left tackle. So Conley had a great game in what could be his final game. He there's, he might transfer out, but you know, it's, it's, it's nice that he went out on a high note. I'll, I'll say that. All right. So I got, I got you sidetracked because I had to bring that up, but go ahead, go on to. Yeah. They, they just need to get this offensive line to a point where they're competent. And I think they have plenty of guys in the room and we know Kevin Pine is probably leaving and I don't really care because he hasn't been able to get on the field even this year when the, until the final drive when the offensive (laughs) line is terrible. Um, (laughs) So that's fine. I think you just need to, you need to hope. I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Christian Mahogany um, and they do have guys coming in. I think maybe you just kind of get the young guys uh, give start giving them reps as the stars in training camp. That'd be Jude Bowery, uh, Noah Clifford, uh, even Otto Hess, Otto Hess, Otto, it's a shame. Otto Hess was having a pretty decent game for the most part, especially in the run game, and then had a few really, really bad reps uh, and had two penalties late in the game. So I, I had wanted to see him play above Jackson Ness uh, for a little while, 
and yep. towards the end it really fell apart for him so that was disappointing to see um but I mean, again, it's really all in the offense line. I think that's been this whole issue for this team the whole season. That's what I've been saying is that those injuries have really just made it impossible for this offense to operate any kind of in any kind of efficient way. In terms of the other positions, I feel, I honestly feel pretty decent about Moorhead coming back next year. I mean, he was a fresh he was essentially a freshman this year, playing getting his first starts on a pretty bad team, and there were good moments. There were also some pretty bad ones. Um, so. <clears throat> I think that they're going to stick with him. Uh, they have Peter Delaportis there as well, who can, you know, you're redshirted him this year. You can kind of see what he has as the redshirt freshman next year. And uh, yeah, I think you have those two guys compete. I'm not sure if Jacoby Robinson is going to come, going to come in in the off season or in the, in the spring, but I'm not really sure going into the portal for a guy. And you're essentially saying we're bringing you in as competition. Cause I, I don't really can't really think of a guy out there off the top of my head who's entering the portal besides, I mean, maybe Jeff Sims from Georgia tech, but he's been injury prone has, is not, you know, the greatest thing ever either. So I think it's going to be tough for you to bring in a guy and say, Hey, like we're going to have you come in and compete with this guy. And I'm not sure Halfley is the kind of guy who wants to, you know, Jerkovic was a little bit different situation because it was his first year, but I don't think he's the guy who wants to go out and say, Hey, you're the transfer guy. We're promising you the job uh, as long as you transfer here. So that's one thing um, in terms of the other like skill positions. I feel pretty decent running back, especially if Pat Garwo stays. Um, wide receiver is pretty solid. They got a lot of guys there that they should be able to figure something out. Tight end is a little funky because you got George Dak is leaving. Uh, you're a little thin for depth there, I think. So maybe they keep going. They've, been, they've really been hitting the portal hard for tight ends, as there just seems to be a lot of them hitting the transfer portal. So, it, and they might be losing one or two as well this year. So it wouldn't shock me if they went out and got, got a guy there. Um, yeah. I think next year in terms of like what you want the offense to be, I think they really want it to be. I mean, it's weird to say, but like kind of like some of the Adazio offenses where it's like, we're really going to run the ball hard and we're going to build play action off that because that's kind of how you want to build more head up because and that's, that's where he's been pretty successful. I would say like he has good accuracy deep down the field. He makes some really nice deep balls. Um, and he has, there are times when he has really good pocket presence, but there are other times when he doesn't. And that's something that comes with experience. So I, I'm, I'm fine with riding with Moorhead next year, but you really just have to surround him with a, a decent offensive line that can, you know, make the run game again. It doesn't have to be a, a, a like an AJ Dillon or Jonathan Hillman style run game where they're just reeling off these big gains or, and it just has to be competent. Like you can rely on them to, and kind of how it was this game where, get four yards on first down, make it second and six, get another four yards, make it third and two, third, third and one. That's yep. really all you need. And you need them to, you know, if they have one bad game in pass protection, fine, but you need to be them allow like only averaging like a pressure rate of like 30, maybe 35%, not 40%. You, right. you got to get them just up to a, a, a basic level of competence. That's, and that's what I've been saying all year. <laughs> and before you go, Mitch, let's talk about Zay one last time. It's final game for Zay flowers. This is the, the positive. Um, and I, I, I think we're in, in the midst of all of this crap that we sat through this year. If you sit back and watch some of those plays they made, and, and I guess I know he was on some really, it was a, some bad, it was a bad team, but to watch him bust his butt. And I know halfway mentioned it last night and really like into the, to the last down to, to, to put full effort out there all the time, you know, you, you, there's certain guys that leave this program and you root for AJ Dillon was one. I loved watching him play and I was so happy to see him get drafted and see him being successful. 
I think Zay is going to be my top, like the top guy that I will root for from Boston College that's currently in the NFL because he he exemplifies, as I said this earlier, like the guy that you want to, like he exemplifies everything Boston College is about. And to have him go out with two touchdowns, I know it was a loss, but, you know, I think we're all going to miss watching him next year. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I wrote my three stars. This game was kind of a, a microcosm for Zay Flowers' career at BC, where it's like, man, the rest of the team around him is really struggling, but he's doing a great job. Uh, yeah. And I thought it was great that they, and I, I didn't like how they still had Moorhead out there in the final draft because he was clearly injured, but I did like that they were kind of still getting the offense like, hey, hurry up. We got to get Zay a touchdown so we can get this record. And then they call this designer play for him to get like a, a quick screen behind a shield and get in the end zone to break mm-hmm. that record. So that was really cool to see. And yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, he has all the receiving, all the career receiving records. Uh, he's, I think, on without a question, the best wide receiver BC has ever produced. And I'm not sure he's, he, he he's absolutely in the conversation for top 10 players BC at BC ever. Uh, but that if, especially if you include linemen, that's a pretty illustrious list. If you don't include linemen, I think he's in there, but I mean, he's regardless, definitely in the conversation and it it is going to be disappointing not seeing him don the moon and gold anymore. All right. So we're going to wrap this up because I need to talk basketball because there was a big basketball game on Sunday in Chestnut Hill, but Mitch, we'll have you back on to kind of do some end of we, we mentioned it on uh Friday show, the autopsy of the season. We'll look at coaches and players, look at what happened, what didn't happen and moving ahead. So we'll have you back on again soon. We'll, we'll talk about that and I'll make sure folks listening to this podcast knows when it's coming. But in the meantime, where can folks find your work? You can follow me at Mitchell T Wolf W O L F E on Twitter. Uh, that's where he posted uh, my three stars or my three stars of the game will be coming along with my three stars of the season. Um, and then we'll kind of, uh, uh, well, I don't know if I have the heart to do a full rewatch of this game after this whole season, but I'll try my best. Um, and then, you know, I'll kind of start digging into those more nuanced autopsies of certain aspects of the team, probably the offensive line. Cause that was obviously the biggest issue, but you're also going to, I'm also going to want to take a look at the defense to see, because they were able to do some good things at various points of the season. Um, and so I want to see kind of what they can carry into next year so that they can keep performing well. Uh, but yeah, that's it. All right. Thanks for being on with me today, Mitch. And we'll mm-hmm. have you back on again soon. In our final segment, basketball improves to five and two with a big win over URI. We'll get into what happened there. Now, our partners at Nissan, they have worked out with us to create a new segment across the Lockdown College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the Boston College weekend game or throughout the history of our alma mater. This weekend's thrilling moment from the Boston College Eagles is this weekend's game from Zay Flowers. While there wasn't much else to talk about in a game that was filled with depressing moments, Zay Flowers caught two touchdown passes and passed multiple school records, including most touchdown game uh, receptions in a season and most touchdown receptions in a career passing Kelvin Martin. Now, many of us know Zay flowers from watching and, and rooting him on. This was a big time moment for him. Now, this thrilling moment segment goes way beyond traditional spots and dots to organically tie Nissan. The Nissan segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles pursue what thrills you in the all-new frontier armada or pathfinder today available now at nissanusa.com all right locked on bc here and what we're going to get into basketball now because basketball had a heck of a game on 
Saturday, Sunday to beat the URI Rams at home 53 to 49. Uh, yeah, not a very uh, offensive minded game for the BC Eagles, but hey, a win's a win. And just like we've seen um, this year, we have now a, a new player to really root for that I think is really fun in Devin McLaughlin. Devin McLaughlin hit the go-ahead layup and iced the game with a pair of free throws in the last couple minutes of the game. Uh, he finished with 11.7 rebounds off of the bench. This is a guy that no one had much expectations for heading into the season. He goes in there, he makes some big shots. Now, BC had lost three in a row to the URI Rams. URI is not the same URI team that we had a couple years ago. Uh, under David Cox. Now they have Archie Miller and, and they're blowing up their roster. So they haven't had a chance to build the depth that they need to play well. But hey, just like every game BC has played, a win is a win. Now, that being said, still have some major concerns about this team. You want the wins, but this team right now really, really lacks a consistent score, a go-to guy that you can rely on for buckets. Now you don't need to have a Kai Bowman or a Jerome Robinson to be a good team, but you need someone to reliably score for you. Okay. Now in a game like this, you scored 53 points. That's bad. I mean, URI is not a very good team this year. So, yes, they won. But I left this game feeling like there's still issues with this offense. There's still issues with the shooting. I mean, Mason Madsen at one point was 0 for 5 from three-point range. He's supposed to be your spot scorer, the guy that hits your three-pointers for you. He wasn't hitting. Jaden Zachary was your, your go-to guy. He had 16 points. But... I still worry about that. Now, that being said, the 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 BC depth chart is still hammered. DeMar Langford played, but he didn't look like himself. He's still, whatever he got uh, right around that time they went to the Virgin Islands, it still feels like he's not 100%. Clearly not himself. You still also are missing Quinton Post, who's still on the bench with a boot. Prince Oligby, who's on the bench, and DJ Hand uh, on the bench with an injury. We don't know what that is. I think it was a foot injury with Oligby or an ankle injury. And Donald Hand, we don't know what's going on there. Now, when you are looking at these injuries, folks are like, AJ, what is going on? Unfortunately, Boston College Athletics has figured out a way to not tell the media or fans anything about anyone first you had football jeff halfley is uh, as we've said on this podcast he's masterful at masking whatever the hell's going on you hear that there he i mean his term that we love to use here is he's hopeful he's hopeful that he's hopeful and the guy's out for the rest of the year he's hopeful hey he's back hopeful and injury reports like folks are asking me like to ask at press conferences about injuries he never tells you anything. Now you go to basketball and Earl Grant has his own uh, his own term that means absolutely nothing, which is their day-to-day. Quentin Post 
has been day to day for three weeks now. He's not day to day. He's out. <laughs> and we don't know how long he's going to be out because he won't tell us. So I don't know. I don't know how long. I mean, I can't force the coaching staff to tell us, right? They're going to tell us day to day. So, you know, you have Post and Oligby who've been in boots. It sounds like they're going to both be back at, you know, I think Oligby I've heard it was going to be back sooner than Post. We have no clue what's going on with Donald Hand. John Rothstein, who has, he's like the guy that talks to the coaching staff and gets some of these scoops. He tweeted out, he's been tweeting out that DJ Hand has been out with undisclosed. So that tells you absolutely nothing. We don't know what the heck is going on with DJ Hand. So we're heading into, so, you know, when you're playing Tarleton State, I know they lost to Tarleton State, but that doesn't matter. But URI, Cornell, those types of teams that are kind of in the midst, that's fine to get these, like, non-responses. But now we're heading into some tougher games. You have Nebraska which has a Ken Palm rating that's 50-50 that BC will win this game. That's fine. It's going to be tough, but you could probably handle that. But look ahead. you got Duke coming up. And then you start the ACC schedule in a couple weeks. You need to get these guys back. You need to get a sense of if they're going to be back. Because no offense to guys like CJ Penna, but you, if it's CJ Penna or Quinton Post, you know, you know who's going to be the the higher. It, it, it's the higher. Um, the the higher odds are going to be with Quentin Post, right? So that I think you need to figure that. Yes, Marcus Mark Falzone is saying it's not in our competitive interest to disclose all injury injury information. All teams do this. Yes, all teams do it, but some teams give more than what we've seen, like. <sighs> You, it, uh, Mark, I've been around enough press conferences and follow enough. I have enough friends that cover other teams from different sites that I've been connected with. Yeah, they don't they don't always tell you, but you get a sense. Like you get a sense that Quentin Post is going to be back in the next two to three weeks, or that he's out for two months. I, I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you any of this. Like, I, and I think, yeah, it's not in their their best interest, but we're still kind of just left in the lurch. And I think that's the big point right here. So I think basketball, um, you know, a win's a win. And I keep going back to this, like you just survive and, and, and move on with this team right now, win and move on. Be, but I'm telling you a couple, couple games away from Duke uh, playing like they've been playing against Duke. They're going to be in a lot of trouble. They're going to be in a lot of trouble when they hit that ACC part of their schedule. And Luckily, right now, there's a lot of other ACC schools that are struggling. I mean, UNC was number one in the country. They have two lo- I think they have two losses in the last couple of weeks. Um, but, I mean, they're still very good. But Louisville is a complete disaster right now. Uh, they are a train wreck. I mean, Kenny Payne may not even make it to his second year. You have them. I think they have, B- I think they have BC on their schedule twice. Florida State struggling. You've got a, a lot of teams that are 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 right for the picking, but health is going to be the big thing for BC because their defense is showing it up. But the guys that are out right now could really, really give BC that boost on the offensive bo- offensive side where they've been struggling. This is AJ back. We'll be back again tomorrow. 
I want to talk about the transfer portal. I'm sure there's going to be more news coming up, but there was one offensive lineman that already entered. I'm going to talk about him. I'll talk a little bit more about the season. I'll probably have Mitch back on um, either today or tomorrow or Wednesday. We'll have him on. We have a lot to talk about this week. If you have not done so already, please subscribe to our YouTube page uh, and become a subscriber. It takes 10 seconds. It doesn't cost you a thing. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you again soon. Take care.